0: Hello and welcome to another Source Property podcast. This week we have the head of support at Source Franchise, Pete Blackley, with us. Pete, do you want to say hello?
1: Hi, guys, I'm Pete, uh, as Chris said, the head of support here at Sourced. I look after the support team who then go out and look after and mentor the franchisees.
0: So let's do a bit of a date check, actually. This is uh, November 2022, and over the past couple of months, you'll have probably seen quite a lot of headlines in property about landlords giving up their portfolios, selling off their portfolios because they want to move on. They want to do something else because they're not making enough money. So we thought we'd do a podcast exploring that in a bit more detail because, Pete, you have quite an extensive portfolio, don't you, Pete? I do, yes. Do you want to tell us how many properties are in your portfolio? No, Chris, I
1: would not like to tell you that, but I'm constantly acquiring properties. I've been in a to landlord, portfolio landlord, if you will, for about 10 years now. So, this very much does apply to me. So, we have a
0: bit of a running joke at source because Pete will not tell us how many properties he's got in his portfolio. However, we know that two years ago, Pete's goal in property was to buy one property per month. Pete's goal last year was to buy one property every two weeks. And Pete's goal this year has been to buy one property every week. So, there's quite a few properties knocking around. I think in terms of managing tenants, managing properties and making sure that you have a financial return from your properties, you're quite well positioned to have this have this yeah, conversation, definitely. right? So that's a bit of an in-joke, uh, in-joke at source. So if ever you see Pete, please ask him that question. I'm sure that he's going to slip up one day and he's actually going to tell us how many properties he, he owns overall. Um, in fact, in terms of ambition as well, do you want to tell us what your sort of longer term ambition is with with property.
1: Yeah, world domination essentially. So my my long term ambition in property is to eventually pass it down to the kids and the grandkids and for them to keep growing the portfolio. So as it's structured at the minute when my son turns 21, my entire portfolio will be paid off and then it's then up for him to come on as a director to the various SPDs and businesses, and for him to then remortgage it and, and quadruple it from there and so on and so forth.
0: And one of the reasons that we employed Pete is because like us at sourced, he's been growing his portfolio on this uh, well, away from source with nothing to do with source but the way that he looks at the portfolio, the way that he's solutions orientated is very very similar to the values and beliefs that we have here. Therefore, looking at all the media speculation is buy to let dead. how many times have you seen that over the couple of, uh, over the last couple of months? Pete is in a good position to have this conversation so let's talk about that first of all let's talk about media reporting that buy to let is dead you as and let's just go over your portfolio your por- portfolio is mainly buy to let or hmos right it is, yeah. yeah so what is your take on buy to let is dead
1: it's not dead, the podcast is dead. <laughs> so it's, it's just what i would like to call media noise so anytime there's a downturn anytime interest rates high um rise you know, tenants are struggling, people are struggling with the bills, etc Landlords are always an easy scapegoat and you will always be told by the media to sell it because they do have a little bit of a you say a little bit of a bias against private landlords or quite a big bias against it. So yeah, there will be landlords out there who've gone from two percent to five percent with their interest rates and will be struggling and um, because they can't put the rents up, they're over leverage. But the vast majority of landlords have seen this coming for a long time. I've spoken to certainly in, in the franchisees here as well, because we constantly give economic updates on it. So there will be some people struggling. I've got no doubt about that, I don't doubt that at all. But it's not quite the widespread misery that the media is trying to betray us.
0: And the situation, would you agree with this, the situation that we're currently in? Uh, rents have risen over the last couple of months but property prices have been rising for a good couple of years now, since, since the start of COVID really, is when they, they really started to ramp up. So the property prices start to start to increase rapidly, but rents stay the same. Therefore, when you're calculating the yield that you're gonna generate from a property, if your rent stays the same, but the price goes up, your yield gets worse. So that was the first trigger, I would say, for the media to say, look, buy to let is dead. Then you add in, that. The increase in interest rates that we've had, because the Bank of England have put up interest rates to deal with inflation, yeah, yeah. and now let's take that. Let's take that example of two percent, two percent being charged on your mortgage, rising to five percent being charged on your mortgage. At two percent to five percent, the difference on a one hundred and fifty thousand pounds house is hundred and eighty-one pounds per month. Now. I have done buy-to-let. I currently don't have buy-to-lets. Um, I have different kinds of property uh, property uh, investments. But when I had buy to let, I was only making 150, 160 quid per month on each one of them. So you put up the rent on each one of them by 180 pounds. That's why they're, they're making the judgment that buy-to-let is dead.
1: It is because they're looking at the average and they're not looking at the outliers. They're not looking at the portfolio landlords who can reach an optimum level and, and systemize and pay in bulk essentially for, for goods and services and reduce the cost that way and they're not looking at taking into account the vast majority of pension holders who I would overwhelmingly say have owned them owned them outright, mm-hmm. have got no mortgage on them and then other kind of part-time by landlords that might have one or two that have remortgaged their own homes so therefore it is owned outright and that debt substantially lower or they've risen in value and they're on 50-60% you know, loan to value mortgages.
0: And also, and I think most critically, that that argument is absolutely relevant at the time where property prices rise, but rental prices have yet to rise because rental prices usually follow property prices with a bit of a lag. So we're at the position now where a lot of the headlines are all about um, capping rental increases and, and charities like Shelter campaigning to make sure that people can still afford, their morga- uh, still afford their rental prices. So we're at the position now where the rental prices are starting to increase in line or to get themselves back in line with the price increases that we've seen over the past three years. So first and foremost, it's worth bearing in mind that rental prices will increase, are increasing right now. And so if you're looking at buy to let, okay, right now the, the property might not make as much sense as you want it to. However, if rental prices continue to increase and be in line with those uh, uh, price increases from the property, then you're going to be back at roughly the same rates as you were previously, right?
1: It's short-term paying for long-term gain. It is a long-term investment, so you can have a look. We're going to have probably i would say i guess i mean i've got no crystal ball we're probably going to have two years of paying two years of high interest rates two years of high high debt costs high gas and electric prices you know unable to increase the rents as much as we want to because there's a real term falling in people's incomes but over the 25 year period it's just going to be a blink of the eye and it's not going to be something that you're really going to look back on in five ten years time when your property has you know potentially doubled in value and your rental income has increased significantly I take a quick example before the pandemic, all my HMO rooms pretty much all rented out at three fifty per calendar month. Then I now all rented out at five hundred pounds per calendar month. Yes, the costs have increased, but my net profit has also increased because the costs haven't increased as much as I've put the rent up by. So there is scope to put the rent up depending on the makeup of the portfolio as well.
0: And I think when you're when you're looking at the overall performance of the property market. If you're uh, looking at it as an investment, there are very few people out there that are currently buying investment properties anymore mm-hmm. because they can't get the lending, they don't have the necessary cash, whatever the reason might be. Therefore, there are fewer buyers in the market. Therefore, you're more likely to be able to find yourself a deal that you can hold over a long period of time and make that make that return from. You're more likely to get a 40% discount now than you were six, 12, 18, oh, 24 wow. months ago.
1: And if you get the mortgage for less, <coughs> guess what goes down, your mortgage repayments, but your rental income will very much stay the same for that particular property. So, quick example, if you were to buy property six months ago, 150000 mortgage rates have increased, but today you buy it at 110000 120, and the rents have stayed the same, you're still pretty much going to be netting the same kind of income each month because you bought it for substantially less. And then the added bonus, a few years down the line, when all this blows over, when all this noise is gone. 've got a property with some equity and you can
0: refinance out. so it seems like the 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 media has got this like this immediate reaction to something the the, uh, the immediate reaction is that buy to let is dead and when you take that snapshot you can understand why they're coming at that with at it with from that angle yet when you put everything together and you look at the overall scope it's actually a great opportunity for you to now buy property to now increase your portfolio it's a bit like than a it had been
1: shortage there wasn't a petrol shortage until the media told you there was a petrol shortage and then what did you do you went out and bought petrol and created a shortage
0: so looking at this in its most straightforward um way why are there so many headlines saying that people are gonna uh, that landlords are selling up why don't the landlords just increase the rent
1: it's difficult to it's like everything it's like Tesco's or Gregg's or any other you know kind of service provider, there's only a limit to what people can afford. So yes, your costs might have increased, but there's only so much that your customers can afford. So let's take a, an example of a sausage roll, say, you sell it for a pound and your costs were, were 70p, before they've now gone up to a pound, you can't exactly increase it by by 30p, you might only increase it by 10, 20p and take a, a little bit of a loss on it. So the same with landlords, people can only afford what they can afford, unfortunately. So there's a lot of people out there that are struggling, you know, we're not the only ones facing challenges with higher interest rates, People have higher interest rates on their credit cards, to unsecured debt, the car loans, etc. Mm. They're not seeing their wages increase in line with inflation, the cost of everything is going up. So there's only so much that essentially you can squeeze people further to the point where they'll just say, right, well, we'll go and move to a town that's cheaper or we'll go find another landlord elsewhere or we'll just stop paying our rent and, and sit here for a few months.
0: And I would also argue that a lot of landlords out there, and I think the, the the landlords that are the most likely to sell up are the ones that are not running it as a business. Oh, yeah. They might it's be like accidental, accidental landlords. They they might be, you know, they might be doing it as just like a bit of fun. But because it is difficult to in, to increase the rent, because it, it it's something, it's a process that you need to understand. There's there's a legal process that you need to go down, which we'll talk about in a little while, but. Because of that, they think, well, I don't want to learn about that. It's not, it's not my thing. I'm too busy over here to put my time and energy into that over there. Therefore, I'm just going to sell up. Now, there are going to be a few of those people around, and that seems to be where the media get hold of that kind of story. Is, you, you've
1: touched on there; It's the emotive response to it. So these people are too emotionally involved in, in their business and property. Is a business people told you about it being passive income or a side horse or something in addition? But it, you can't do it in addition to a full-time job like I do but it is, it is a business and you need to run it as, as a business. And it's those same kind of people there that will get this emotive response. They'll read all these scare stories, these horror stories in the media, and then they will sell up, or they won't increase their rental, or they'll try and remortgage and they'll, they'll do something. So it's again, it's the media perpetuating that cycle. You know, there's only a crash because the media tells you there's gonna be a crash and you start offering less on houses and vendors start putting their properties on for less. And then the surveyors get scared and it creates that, that downward cycle.
0: So talking about the talking about the way that landlords can increase the rent. What are the what are the things that you've done with your portfolio to increase the rent? You mentioned the, the HMO from three hundred and fifty to five hundred. So how did you go about that?
1: Yes, yeah, so I'll take two HMOs there. So um, there's a video that you guys can see um, that will be on our YouTube channel shortly. And the day in the life of a landlord, I went and refirmed one of my HMOs. So. We'd evicted the tenants. Um, one of the tenants hadn't been paying him for a long time, and the other tenants left because he forced them out, so we removed him. Um, the rents there are always traditionally $350 per kind of month, so I put new carpets in, new bathroom, painted, decorated, new furniture, a couple of new doors, things like that, and that's how we justified that, that rent increase. The property was a bit tired. I'd owned it for about nine years, and we'd it that way. The other way, the HMO, um, the other one I'd owned for maybe five or six years, probably not even that. Um we had the the group of tenants moved out, so I advertised it on the market, the market rent then was five hundred pounds per calendar month, so I put them up to, to five hundred pounds per calendar month. The other tenants they've had incremental increases of ten percent over the last three years to take them to take them from three fifty to what they are I don't know.
0: You know, what you've just reminded me, I do have a, a portfolio of buy-to-lets that are currently run, and that's exactly what we're doing as well. Uh, I don't actually get involved in the, in the day-to-day running of the, those properties in the way that you do with your properties, but that's the exact instruction that we've given to the agent, that at the moment, we don't want to put the, the rent up for the people that are in the properties. However, as soon as somebody moves out, we start to charge yeah. market rent. And that's a really, it's a really simple way to, to do it. However, if you've got somebody in one of your properties that's more of a long-term tenant, there are still things that you can do, aren't there? So let's look at those those solutions. So if you've got a long-term tenant, the first thing, and probably the most important thing that you can do, is make sure that your tenancy agreement allows you to review the rent on a regular basis. So you can do this, or you can increase the rent um, up to once per year. You wouldn't really need to do it more more than that. But once per year, you can increase the rent.
1: Do that, isn't for the, tenant. the tenant's not going to be happy, no. surely,
0: if you continue to put the rent up. Um, so that's something that you can do. What What else is out there um, that you can do in order to increase the rent for a tenant whos uh, who's been with you for a while? Yeah,
1: so you can serve a section 13 notice, uh, but that's not during the fixed term. And again, that can only be once per year. And mm. You also need to give them at least one full calendar month notice before that increase takes effect.
0: You could actually serve a section 13 during a fixed term notice but it can't come into effect until after the yeah. fixed term notice. Right. So you can pre-warn them. And again, if you've got a good or if you're aiming to have a good relationship with your with your tenant, then you might want to do that to give them as much notice as possible so they can prepare for that financial commitment that and they're you, going to have to make.
1: On something there as well, you know, tenants don't want to be made homeless and if you are struggling with your mortgage repayments because the rent is low have the conversation with your tenants, say, look, my costs have increased significantly, I'm gonna have to increase your rent to market rate. They'll look out there, they'll see that other properties are either at that price or are more expensive and they'll probably do a quick calculation in their head that's going to cost about fifteen hundred to two grand to move elsewhere in rent and deposits and then they've got the moving van and they've got the hassle of up mm. evil of the kids packing up, etc, etc. And if you're just asking for a couple of hundred pound rent increase for them, that's actually a saving for them over a twelve month period potentially. So, I have had conversations with tenants. I said, Look, our costs have increased. This is what we're going to have to put the property up to. Go away, have a think about it, look at what else is on there. And nine times out of ten, they just come back and accept it because they accept the fact that it's going to cost them substantially more to move to another part of the
0: country, potentially. So, there are three main ways that we've shown you that you can manage the rent. And manage the rental increases during the term of a tenancy. First way, make sure it's written in the contract. A a rent review is in the contract. And ideally, you'd have a rental review every year. Obviously, that's up for negotiation before the tenant signs that contract. You can only do that that increase once per year though. Um, And then you'd have a section 13. You'd serve a section 13 to your tenant and that section 13, um, again, you can only do that once per year, but that tells the tenant. It gives them a month, at least a month's notice, and it tells the tenant what that rental increase is going to be. So this has sort of sparked something in me. I think we should do a, a podcast about um, why now is the right time to buy property, actually. Yeah, Thinking about it, right? Because we we at Sourced we have a portfolio we are increasing that portfolio right now we've been we're increasing it quite aggressively because we see now as as a great opportunity that in ten years time people are going to talk about 2022 2023
1: yeah, the same way they spoke about 2000, yeah.
0: exactly and they're going to talk about the massive discounts they got on property well that's happening right now so maybe we should do a podcast about about exactly that um, and then the other way that we uh, we we mentioned that you can increase the rent is obviously when the tenant. Leaves and you start to advertise that property again. So, hopefully, if you are a landlord or you're thinking about being a landlord, you've got some really useful advice there to put into place to manage that rental income that you're making and not just listening to the media because it's a very blinkered view of what's happening right now. So, thanks very much for listening to the Source Property Podcast. Remember, Source Franchise is here to help you. We are the first and only franchise of our kind. And we are much, much more than just a training course. We're right behind you, supplying you with knowledge, property leads, and we can even offer you funding through Source Capital. To find out more, send us an email or download, download our prospectus at sourcedfranchise.co. Where would they send an email to? Franchise at sourced.co, I would imagine. Okay. Send, that's where you should send an email. It'd be good to hear from you. Thanks for listening.